Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Advancement and Mobilization for ABWE, joined by Scott Dunford, Leeds Church Planter of Redeemer Church in Fremont, California, and West Coast Mobilizer for ABWE. And Scott, we have another in-studio guest here this week. So I thought, and I resisted the temptation, but I thought about introducing him as the new co-host. Oh, hey, you know, he would be a good co-host. I can't argue with that. <laughs> he actually would be. That would be kind of fun, you know, because, I mean, you did a, you did abandon me. That's true. You did a ba- Actually, you abandoned both of us. Let's talk about this That's for a true. second. We have Scott's former pastor here, <laughs> Mr. Benjamin Berbacek. I, I'm not the former pastor because I left, though. Right. I, I don't right. call him He's the current pastor. pastor. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm still, like, I think I'm on their missions board as one of their church planters. So, like, I don't consider him my former pastor in any way what what is this what's wrong with your what's wrong with your ecclesiology Alex <laughs> somehow I should be able to put you under church discipline I think that's still really the connection we're trying to maintain Ooh, yes <laughs> throws out his church discipline trump card well um Benjamin let's uh let, let's give you a little bit of introduction here right so Benjamin's been on the show before um once twice yeah once this once is two. okay this is, two. this is this is two um, Benjamin is our local, you know, backyard Christian celebrity, right? <laughs> I mean, you've been on, what's it? The, it wasn't the 700 club. What was it? Oh, I was, you, it was, yeah, I don't know how to talk about this here on air. That's but okay. I was. <laughs> yeah, Cause he wrote some blog post that went viral. Anyway, Benjamin's an awesome guy. He is currently oh. the pastor of community evangelical free church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. He writes for sites like desiring God for the church, uh, gospel coalition, and uh, he's the author of more books than I've written, <laughs> um, more books than Scott and I have written combined, really, Yes, um, which is not saying a lot. But uh, Benjamin's an amazing um, pastor, author, and an even better friend. Uh, um, thank you for joining us here today. Yeah, appreciate it. And we're Glad excited to, to dive in. Tell us about this book that I'm holding here in my hands, which no one can see, but it's uh, hot off the presses and it's called Don't Just Send a Resume. Yeah, that's right. So... Um, thanks for that introduction. Um, I don't know if you want to thank me for that. Introduction. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I feel like it's a customary to say thanks for that introduction. So yeah, the, the book don't just send a resume came out of, um, really it just be it. Most of the things I've written, uh, they didn't start out with the intention of them being, um, a book. I, I kind of have a, a personality that is, um, both great and, and really frustrating <laughs> in that I start projects that just get much larger than I ever intended them. So it started with just a friend asking me, uh, he was six years out of seminary. I was six years out of seminary. We had graduated together and said, so you're like old pros. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Pretty much. We had it all figured out right. except for the job transition part. He, he was looking to make, I guess what it would be a second transition um, for him. And he reached back to me and said, you know, Hey, Benjamin, what did you do to transition from seminary to, to your first job in a local church? And cause he said, essentially I'm winging it. And I thought you didn't wing it. So what did you do? And I thought to myself, I just winged it. <laughs> so what did I do? And, uh, my little 10 point email or, uh, you know, what, what was just going to be a couple thoughts turned this big thing, which came blog posts, which became things I shared around. And then eventually, obviously, the book you're holding is where that story goes. But it never intended it to be that way. Uh, but I, I really, if I can just interject, I really do think most pastors and, and missionary leaders um, and, and parachurch organizations, they're just winging it, how the job search process based on what they've experienced through, um, you know, the business world or whatever. But 
there is like, if you went onto Amazon prior to when this was released for the last 15 years, there's no book written to help you and I go find a job in a local church or in a missionary mm. organization. There are a dozen good books. And, and I really do think a few are pretty good to help the church find the pastor mm. should he leave. But, but, but there's nothing for us on this side of the table. Mm. And so I was really hoping to fix that. It's a classic gap in the literature and yeah. you, you dove in there to fill it. And for our listeners that might be wondering, well, what does this have to do with the missions podcast? You know, as I'm reading the book, uh, Ben, Ben got me a copy. Um, and, uh, I, I'm thinking about the fact that, uh, you know, here at ABWE, when we're working with people who are interested in missions, we're working with a lot of people who, even if they, if they've served in their churches, that they haven't been pastors, they, they really don't know what that process typically looks like. And the process of applying to serve as a missionary does look a lot like the process to serve as a pastor. Um, our church is in the middle of a similar process and it is grueling and it can be, um, invasive. <laughs> it, yes. it can be, it can be incredibly stressful. Um, so, so tell us a little bit just about, um, uh, first of all, with the book, um, tell us how it's been received. Tell us, uh, what, what some of the reaction is that you've gotten from it. Yeah, we'll, we'll jump in and to those questions about, um, I think, which would be real helpful to some of the people maybe listening and contemplating a transition, but I just, I've been pleased with how it's been received. You know, I, I uh, was told frequently during the writing process that the, the market was very niche and uh, I was aware of that. So I, I, we weren't looking to, you know, surpass the purpose-driven life. I, I should have called it the purpose-driven pastor search or something. <laughs> uh, when you set the bars pretty low, success is, is, is pretty achievable. But I, in, in seriousness, I have been really encouraged to get emails and phone calls. So, I, you know, someone emails says a follow-up question and encouragement. And I, you know, I just do a lot of fun kind of coaching calls lately mm. with guys who are, who are some point in the candidating process and there's something they either address in the book or they want to follow up on it. And just to hear that, um, I, I had an article article published in Christianity Today just last week, which was really encouraging based on the themes of this book. Mm. I'd never written for them. And uh, that was nice. Now, I will say it's always a mixed bag. I got one email that said, you kind of got it wrong. Can I call you to talk about the ways you might think about it differently? <laughs> and then I got another email oh, that said exactly what I needed to hear. So it's sure. Call 555. <laughs> it's a funny thing. Maybe you want to see my interview at 700 Club. That'll answer all your questions. Yes. <laughs> Just watch this. Thanks, Scott. So uh, here, here's what I see is I see a lot of people that come across my desk as applicants to serve as missionaries who are coming from the quote, you know, air quotes, secular field uh, workforce, right? And that's your background as well. You were an engineer yes, sir. and you decided to dive into ministry from a secular background. And so th those job search processes in the professional world tend to be a lot more clean cut. What were some of the things that scared or surprised you as you apply to serve as a pastor? Because these are the same things I think that a lot of people that are diving into missions for the first time are being surprised by as we're working with them. Only the difference is, well, we'll get into the difference more. What are some of those things that surprised yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. So there's a, um, a slowness to the process, and maybe we can give some anecdotes to each of these in just a second. But the slowness, there's a there's a depth of questioning that that's surprising in a sense, like you're not just, can you do the job, but, but what type of person are you? Do you have a character? So tell some stories about that. But then, then there's a, the way if, if a person's married, their spouse is involved. That's, that's a very odd mm. thing at first, or it can be. And I just think I, you know, Alex, you invited me out here to, to preach um, to some of your missionaries who were launching into this 
somewhere in the process of going onto the field. And I did, just as I looked at the room and, and, and met people, there were a number of them that were second career type people that had, had some other career. Uh, I'm thinking of one person who was in education for a number of years. And mm-hmm. there's a fairly um, standard process for that hiring. You know, and it, I mean, even the school district would have to do it very similar between candidates uh, just for legal reasons. Mm-hmm. But the church, there's it's a wild west yeah. in some ways. Well, let's talk about each of those. Let's talk about the slowness of it, first yeah. of all. Um, it, it, for, for missionaries, you know, we, we at least have a, a process where we have a large agency and other large agencies might have a similar thing. You have an orientation week or a candidate week. Um, but very often when you're working through smaller missions outfits or through local churches, uh, or other ministry organizations overseas, you're not going to have even that, um, well-structured, defined kind of on-ramp. So it it does get dragged out, right? It, It sure does. And, and. I don't think people are usually aware of that. I, I did 50 interviews with local church pastors and people have done different types of ministry organizations for the book and asked what were the pain points. And one of them was the lack of responsiveness from the organization. But but related to that was just the slowness. They were slow to respond. I, I had a good friend here at church. Um, who through a layoff process, lost his job, refound another one all within a month. <laughs> and he yeah. reflected to me, that was so slow, he said. And I thought you, I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, you don't have a clue what it's right, like yeah. to be over in our world. Right. I mean, right. Scott, you've probably experienced some of that. I, I, I was, uh, <laughs> I was in a, this is a, I was young in ministry, uh, was about 30 and I was applying for a senior pastor. I was in the process for a year, had been there a couple times and preached um, only to have the church at the end of that process basically decide they weren't ready to call a pastor. Oh. So um, that was it was heartbreaking because we felt like we were on the last stages of this thing, and uh, and and we were far from that. So yeah, that was, it's an excruciating process for you. It's an excruciating process for your family as well. And you're talking about your family. You're talking about the fact that uh, your spouse, for you as a pastor, you're not always expecting the spouse to be brought into things. As a missionary, um, that's also just as big of a factor. I so so we just went through a system in, in rebuilding parts of our application process, mm-hmm. and we send so many emails explaining why we need the pa- the the spouse to also fill out an application. We had to design a template and have it send automatically, <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of funny how that came about. It's very personal but, of you. Yeah, very personal. <laughs> but the the point just being that um, for us and for probably most missions agencies, both spouses are considered missionaries. Yeah. So they're both going to serve together, which is makes it even more important. You, you need to make sure that it's not just one person pulling the other one into oh. a position of ministry. What did that look like for you as you interviewed people about the topic of spousal approval? Yeah, well, I think, you know, maybe the, the, the primary target of the audience is pastors. There is a differentiation between what that spouse is doing, but, but, but very important. Like it, it, it uh, you know, I, you know, there's different views on who, who's pastoring, but even in a complementarian church, you, you might have a children's director who, who's being hired as a woman. Sure. And, and, and so I'll just use he or she generically, but, um, and you just find that, man, if they are in your word, like stilted or being dr- drug into ministry and they don't want to be a part, even if they're just kind of there uh, within missions, you're not just there, I know, but uh, it, it, 
it is really hard and it does raise red flags. But but even for the spouse who wants to be in ministry. So, for example, my wife, uh, she's rooting for me, just as Scott, your wife is, I know. Um, at the same time, who wants to be pulled into your husband's job interviews? I mean, that's just a strange thing. Um, and, you know, I mean, he understands the Trinity. So just ask him. And uh, and yet you got to hear her testimony. You got to mm. hear uh what, what does she enjoy? What does she like? And um, there's a goodness to that. You feel included, but there also is a real apprehensiveness of like, uh, what, what if I screw this up for, for my husband? And, and there's just a lot of tension on the marriage through that process that people often aren't ready for. Well, and and there's not just a scrutiny uh, for a pastor, especially, but I think also we do this in the missions world and uh, for good reasons is that there's not just a scrutiny on the husband and the wife. There's also a scrutiny on the family as to how the children are equipped to respond to this. Um, and, um, and, you know, certainly for an, a pastor, an elder, like the, the, the family uh, wholeness and health is part of his qualification, it's part of his resume. But for the minute missionary, it's no less so. And sometimes the stability of the home is what's going to make all the difference from whether they're successful on the field or not. But having your family looked at, having your wife a part of that process, having, you know, the, the husband, a part of that, having everyone involved in that process is a very different thing for, for most, from almost any interview you'll ever do. In fact, most interviews, you're not even allowed to discuss those things, you know? Yeah. So there's all these unique challenges that are involved in getting into ministry, whether it's cross-cultural or domestic. And what I love about your book is it is tactical wisdom. It is not just this high-minded theology, although you do get at how the gospel applies to us and our identity and our vocation. And I want to get into that a little bit towards the end of our conversation. Mm -hmm. But you also just offer some really helpful advice on just how to do things professionally, because I think people underestimate how much professionalism matters, even in a ministry context. So for somebody who's pursuing ministry uh, as a pastor or as a missionary, I mean, what are what are some of those basic tips that you write about for like you need to make sure even if it's just like, hey, when you send your resume, make sure it's a PDF, not a Word document. I mean, you get into some of those things, but for some people, that'll be new and interesting. Yeah, so that's good, Alex. There's a whole slew of those, and and uh, you know, I'm not sure which one to pick necessarily, but I think you, you just hit on one. What your your correspondence uh, with. That, that, that church or that missions organization um, is part of the interviewing. It, it, it is part of the sorting out of, of um, would you be a good hire? Would you, could you be a good missionary? Because I mean, on the field, you're going to be communicating with people. That's yeah. what you do as a missionary. And um, so I think to have a professional level is, 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 is far from like either greasy or uh, secular. It, it, it's an overflow of our Christian character that we would be good communicators. You think about the way the apostle Paul spoke about how he used language, uh, you know, renouncing underhanded ways or mm. flattery and all of that. Um, so, so, um, just, and then that trickles down into the practical, just like you said. So it's just, it's so frustrating when I would get a resume, um, at different times, I would say, so some of the staff kind of churchstaffing.com would, there's like a, a way to send your resume through there, but the way it pushes it into the churches, it just looks terrible. It garbles it up and all that hard work. And you're like, who is this person? Why can't they make straight lines on their resume? And then just mm -hmm. even talking about PDF, PDF is a, a way to essentially just takes a picture of your Word doc, the way it looks on your computer, but to send a Microsoft Word document, because everybody has different versions, all of a sudden, uh, you know, I send it to you, Alex, but I don't know how it'll look on yours and all that work yeah. and formatting, it could look terrible. And so things like that, I'll just give one other little practical detail uh, that someone may use. Um, not only your resume, but your cover letter. And if you have references or a family bio, or just, you know, maybe some pictures in there, 
your packages. Which that's that a no, no in the professional world, right? It, but in the ministry world, it's good. It's, it's, it's counterintuitive that way. It, it is. I think, yeah, just because of the nature of, of the, um, ministry just is flowing out of relationships and knowing a person. So that picture just communicates a bunch, even if it's a goofy picture. I think when my wife and I were interviewing, we, we've always, this sounds silly. I don't know why I'm saying that here on the air, but we would <laughs> take these pictures of our feet as family and kids and just kind of the, as our family's grown, we have all these pictures of us and shoes and feet. And, and it's just a funny picture. Anyway, I would stick one of those in there and write a paragraph about who our family is and how we're growing. But, but then if you, if I send you eight attachments, um, like, what are you going to do? How are you, are you going to print eight? And, what and if you six want? of them are feet pictures. Well, <laughs> right. I would, I would not actually affirm that as a good strategy, but, <laughs> but maybe one, but, but, but all that to say, you got to package all those in one PDF so that you or whoever's receiving those emails, um, doesn't just print some of them, shuffle the order and just practical things like that. Well, okay. If I can dive in here and Scott, you know, you were our VP in mobilization. So I'd love you to speak to this too, but I think that this is important because there is some strange sense for whatever reason in our churches that as soon as somebody feels the urge or the call to be a missionary, that everyone should just automatically roll out the red carpet for them to get there. And it doesn't really matter their qualifications, their level of professionalism any of these things. It's like, yeah, but they've been called. And some people are surprised and taken aback when, um, if you have to turn them away or redirect them slightly, or, or, or really just be told that this might not be the best fit for you. And so I think all of this matters. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've definitely seen that. Um, and I, th I think because we, we, there's a scarcity of, of people going into missions and there, we realize there's a, a seriousness of doing that. And so anyone who who's willing must be uh, able and qualified, but we've also seen in our teams on the field uh, remind us of this a lot that um, just because they get to the field doesn't mean they're going to stay there. And just because they get to the field and maybe stay there doesn't mean they're going to cause a lot of problems. So it's really important that we do a great job of, of screening and finding out if this person is, is really uh, a good fit or not. It's not just, Hey, you know, they're, they're able and willing, let's just move forward. So how would you say, um, Benjamin, what, what would be a good way for people to think through that, for people to think through the fact that they, they may feel called, they may feel almost, you know, you, you reference almost like having your MDiv, for instance, is like having your union card. Like I'm entitled to employment in this field. Um, so for people who have a similar sense, like, well, I, obviously I'm entitled to be in a position of ministry here or there. Um, how would you encourage them to think about the practical side where it, it does matter how they present themselves and where you, you may have been led a certain direction, but that, that doesn't mean that it's going to pan out that way. Yeah, I think, again, that we're just back at the heart of why character is so important that, that mm -hmm. you would have uh, the humility to know um, that just because you're called to ministry um, and you feel that, and maybe it's even been affirmed and attested to by friends that that, that process of, say, I'm applying with ABWE, of uh, allowing ABWE to look into my life and assess that calling uh, to, to rather than um, be put off by that or, um, feel, um, yeah, just, just frustrated by it, but to welcome that. I think that's the type of character you want to have. And so, and then if, if, if not only eventually are you going to be looking into that, but I think to, to, to be inviting you in and, and doing it slowly and develop through relationships, I, I think 
um, as much as you can forsake putting on your to whom it concerns or, you know, write a letter to ABWE at the general mm-hmm. the inbox, but, but to really seek out, okay, I'm going to scour the website and find out who are the people I should actually be talking to. Okay. Alex has a title that, and th- that looks like a person I should be talking to. And then you reach out to them and you look at them on Facebook and you say, okay, Alex has a family and kids. And this is weird because I'm stalking him, but I'm actually just trying to build a relationship so that, uh, I, you know, if, if I was doing it for greasy purposes, cause I was going to, you know, climb to the top of ABWE and be the greatest missionary. Okay. Yeah. That's I'm bad. getting a little worried. Uh, well, I'm just saying, <laughs> that level of homework actually communicates a care and a thoughtfulness. And so whether it's with a church or a missions organization that you've done your home, like I just, it, it's far better to send two applications that are thoughtfully written that have a chance of going forward mm. rather than spamming people with, Hey, here's my resume. I'm awesome. You should hire me. Like what in the world is that? Who, don't do that. So yeah. I'm just trying, trying to commute, make it personal and, and, and the networking in the best sense of the word done through relationships and not just trying to get a job. We've seen that, you know, with, with, you know, here at ABWE, where we have some people that are just spamming every mission agency they know. And it turns out they're just not a great fit with us. Um, but we see, a, I think, a better level of success, even long term with those who they, they have actually researched who we are. They know that they're a good fit with us or if they they, they think they're a good fit in, you know, nine out of 10 areas. But the 10th area, they ask hard questions about it. They get their church involved. Um, when we love it when people come in having thoroughly vetted us as we're thoroughly vetting them. That tends to be the best situation. That's a, a, a strong indicator that this might be a good fit. You, you mentioned that there sometimes when people come to you and they're, they're saying, okay, hey, these areas look great, but I'm not really sure how this would work or um, I just have questions. But, but all that implies they have the gospel centeredness, if I can use that word, to realize that their identity is, is, is so shaped by the love of Jesus Christ, that they can actually ask questions that indicate this might not be a good fit. And, and, and so... I think this is worth talking about just for a second, because you have sometimes maybe in any career field, I, I suppose I could have felt that in engineering had I been let off, left off, excuse me, um, let go. I had to refine a job, but, but in mission missions work or, or ministry of any kind, all, there can be this spiritual desperation of like, I've got to find it and I've got to find it now. Yeah. And that, and a financial desperation sometimes. Well, yeah, maybe they need a job. Yes. The <laughs> church might need a pastor and the missions agency. It's got people they need to yeah. go, you know, be yep. evangelized. But, but that desperation um, can go sideways in so many ways. And one of them yeah. can be refusing to ask the right questions. Like, you know, you're interviewing and, and you're really not discerning whether this is a right fit for me and my family and what God's calling us to do. You're just really trying to sell yourself. And I mm. think that's a recipe for disaster. It is, and that's what I want to talk about next. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Let me tell you a story about Abdul. As a teenager in a refugee camp, Abdul lived in a world of uncertainty. After a successful operation on his colon, he should have recovered, but he lost the will to live. And morning after morning, as he lay dying, he heard the voices of nurses beside his bed singing during their morning Bible study. Hospital workers serving with ABWE sat by Abdul's bedside, sharing stories of the Bible with him. But one day, Abdul was talking with a member of the team, and suddenly God opened his eyes, and he asked excitedly, tell me about Jesus. In the subsequent weeks, he began to smile. He started to eat, regaining his strength. He devoured every story everyone could tell him from the Bible. Abdul had been saved. Now Abdul is back in the refugee camps, sharing the gospel with his family and friends. 
Well, you may have noticed that I didn't mention what country Abdul is living in. That's because we can't for security purposes. About 10% of ABWE's missionaries serve in parts of the world that we can't even mention by name. ABWE's Global Gospel Fund supports workers in limited access countries by providing security expertise, mobilizing those who seek to serve, and training new missionaries. Through the Global Gospel Fund, you can support a thousand missionaries with one gift. Please become a Global Gospel Fund partner. Go to abwe.org slash global gospel fund. That's abwe.org slash global gospel fund. So Benjamin, uh, some some important parts of the book are not just in the application process for somebody who's pursuing various ministry opportunities, but also the transition process. Transitions can be difficult in or out of any place, not only with pastors, but especially for missionaries. If you're leaving your church, if you're leaving your family geographically, whatever that looks like and being able to transition well into a new spot. So what would be some of the wisdom that you found in the process of interviewing these 50 plus leaders and pastors uh, on transitioning well, how to do that, how to, how to say goodbye well. Yeah, that's a great question, Alex. I think probably Scott would be a good person to jump in on that since he's left both yeah. of us recently. Yeah, yeah, seriously, Scott. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take a stab at Scott and then you can clean yeah, up. Yeah, you go first. Bit. All right. <laughs> you know, um, I think a few things to mention. S- Scott, were you barking? Uh, yes, that was me. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> um, a, th- a few things to mention would be on, on finishing well. I, th- I think Christians have this impulse to finish well, and uh, that's what Jesus did for us. Um, and 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 that's part of the Christian life is we we persevere even as He uh, preserves us. And so, um, what that looks like is even when you have I'll just use the words a, a sexier job coming next month, next quarter. Um, that doesn't mean you just coast to the finish line. And I think as I did the interviewing and, and did the research, one of, some of the most palatable memories memories of, of, of former uh, you know, pastors or, or just coworkers were, how did they finish? I mean, it's great if they start well uh, and did some good things in the middle. But did they just coast to the end? Did they kind of let all of their projects fall to the side? And, and, and Or conversely, did they finish well? Were they starting small groups up until the end? Were they reaching out to doing new mission work? And, and I think that especially in missions, especially if you're going from one field to another, perhaps, um, which in a sense, maybe there are, you know, just even if you're not in missions, you're, there's still work there. But especially if you're in a true missions context, someone's going to come after you and, and you don't want to leave like a doofus. Uh, you know, pull back, shy back so that someone who comes after you not only has to start uh, kind of at neutral, but you're actually starting negative. So that's a big part of it. I, one other comment just to make, and then let Scott jump in would be, um, I think you hit on it, Alex, is that it is a season where you really don't have the friends and the network and and, and the people around you who care about you rooting for because you're geographically probably transposed from them. So I think developing that inner circle of friends you can rely on. Um, and, and especially from a mentor level, I know just even, um, there's been some transitions at our church recently and Scott's been, a, uh, as much as I was picking on you, Scott, you have been a friend to me as I've asked some, uh, just general kind of heart level questions of how to be thinking about it for myself. I'm not going anywhere, by the way, I should clarify that, but then, <laughs> <laughs> but just even real practically, I called you the other day, just, and, and I, I view mm. Scott as someone who, um, I, I can lean on across, you know, hopefully in the coming decades and ministry questions. So I think for the missionary to be developing those and cultivating them, even as you don't have that friend across the street to go get coffee with, uh, to really value your personal network. 
Mm. Okay, let me ask mm. a follow up question on that then. And Scott, maybe you can speak to this too, as because we know we, we want to let you dive in on that topic of transitions too. But you mentioned networking, mm-hmm. and that just seems so dirty in the ministry world. And so is, is there a better way for us to think about that? Is it is that a dirty or icky thing? So Scott, I'll let you dive in there first. And, and I want to hear what both of you have to say about that as well. That's a complicated question. I, I mean, I'm a networker by nature. Like I, if there's a, I, I, I just can't help but do it. Um, but I, I do think that the, the, the ickiness of it, the danger of it, is it when it becomes manipulative? Like, am I targeting people who have a big platform or are famous in some way to help me advance what I want to get? Or um, another way of looking at it is like, am I seeking wisdom? And sometimes that will involve people who are more well-known and sometimes that will involve people who are less well-known. Um, but my heart attitude toward that is just seeking to grow and seeking wisdom. Um, I, I think, I think if you can challenge your heart toward seeking wisdom, um, I think that kind of guards against a little bit of that, that ickiness politic, uh, you know, politicking stuff that, that I think we, we, we may struggle with. I, I know I, I struggle with it and I have to fight it a lot. Um, and um, probably most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we like being noticed by people we think are more significant than us. But uh, in the end, that's just a loser's game and it leaves sure. you pretty dissatisfied and frustrated. Dude, Scott, one thing on that, I just think of conviction for myself is how quickly might I be to return an email from someone who, you know, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, can't do anything for me versus perhaps someone who, at least in my perception, could do something for me. Is there... Mm-hmm. Um, Benjamin never replies to my emails. Oh, That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. Just kidding. Yeah. You do actually. You can, You're very quick. Uh, well, because I think you can get me on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about responding to emails quickly. Yeah. Anyway, I just think that's a, that's an indicator for maybe some, you know, mm-hmm. it, we can talk about kind of abstract ideas of, of people pleasing and, and, and wanting to gr- network being greasy, but just that's a real practical one of, of, of do I, I think, you know, how would the Lord Jesus's inbox have looked? I mean, it's a weird question, but, but I do think he, he's no respecter of persons in that sense. Yes. Well, and you could probably say this too, you know, it's, it's almost like, um, before you've written, before you wrote a book, I imagine, well, I know because I was involved with you in the process of both of these, you know, and, and walked with you through them in some ways, you know, the idea of like, man, if I just get that first book ever published, all my life will have meaning. And, you know, it's just, it's such a struggle to get, you think if this one thing happens, finally, I'll have reached my goal. And you finally get to that peak, you know, if it's anything other than pursuing Christ and even good things in ministry can have that kind of tinge of like, um, this is the end game for me. And if it, if it's involved, like building a network of people that are significant, um, when you finally get to those heroes, that hero level, you find it's really empty because those, those people who are heroes in your mind are just men and they're flawed and they're wonderful and they're gifted and they are jerks sometimes. And, they are, they can't replace Christ in any way and they never were intended to. So if you make that your aim, building this like fantastic network in the end, it's going to be extremely dissatisfying and it could end up leaving you bitter, which is obviously a horrible ending to that path. So on that note, question for both of you, honestly, I want to, I want to hear your thoughts on this. People that are listening might feel a little bit of the tension. Well, this is a book that has to do with landing a job as a pastor, you know, to put it in a really crass, 
right? To frame it, it's about so much more than that. But to, to, if you were to if you were to frame it that way, you you could. And here we are. This is the missions podcast, and you know, missions is conceived as you know you sacrifice. You, you you're not worrying about money. You're not worrying about anything. Um, that has to do with you and your needs, right? Theoretically, and you're you're going off and you're you're giving it all, um, laying it out on the field for Jesus. And so, my my question is: Is the idea of growth in a profession of, um, again, to, to use a, cla- a crass kind of term, at least we we conceive of it as being crass, you know, climbing the ladder, uh, but but finding a solid position, finding a stable position, thinking about money, thinking about retirement, thinking about supporting your family, you know, important things that sometimes get caught up in the American dream um, and caught up in the, the the questions that we ask as we're searching for employment. Are those things necessarily antithetical to missions? So if I care about those things, should I not be a missionary? Um, or if, if, uh, if I don't care about those things, um, is that unhealthy or does that mean I should automatically be a missionary because I'm just willing to give it all and sacrifice? So I'm, I'm, and we were talking about money um, before we started recording, um, Benjamin. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And then, Scott, I, I'd love it if you would speak to that, too. Yeah, I think, Alex, those are um, I would just encourage candidates uh, in whatever field they're pursuing to be thinking about those things. Now, the question is not. Um, necessarily to think or not think, but but to how to think rightly about them. And so, um, just we'll just stay on money for a minute, and maybe the climbing the corporate ladder or something we can s- save because there there are similar aspects to that. But right. you have certainly strong warnings in Scripture, right? So, um, you know, Jesus saying being guard on your guard against covetousness, and uh, you know, Tim Keller has this great quote of like, no one's ever confessed that to him in in, in all of his years of ministry. Come inside. Hey, I struggle with greed just because we're, we're so, I think, surrounded by it. We're not often aware of our own hearts in that level. So I think we have to certainly be careful. You have Ananias and Sapphira and, and, and all sorts of others who mm. m- money and, and things tr- trip them up. But you also have, uh, you know, First Timothy 5, that speaking of, of, of the worker deserving his wages, hearkening back to there's a, you know, a principle from the Old Testament there and, and, and then something Jesus said as well. Um, and then you have Paul speaking, just frankly, of, of, of if you know, if he doesn't protect and provide for his own house, like you're worse than an unbeliever. An unbeliever. And so, one of my favorite conversations, if you just allow me a little digression, with one of my interviews with a seasoned pastor, this guy's name is Paulo, and uh, you know, he was talking about sometimes the stereotypical, you know, it's not okay to talk about money in the interviewing, and he was pushing back on that in this interview with me, uh, just telling me in things he'd learned, and uh, he, he he said, you know, he he. We don't do that really in any other profession. A doctor is not unspiritual because they're wondering how much money they might make. He, he says he really uh, wants to ask that question. He, he knows the Lord is going to provide, but he wants to know how much the Lord will provide through that church or whether he has to take a second job so that they, mm-hmm. he can provide. So it, it was just a, it was a funny comment that like, yeah, he knows the Lord's going to provide. He just wants to know how much he'll provide through you. And, um, I, I would think it, it, it does. I, I just, you gotta, everybody has a budget. ABW as a whole has a budget. Individual missionaries have budgets and, 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 and you just want to be asking those questions. I think it's sort of a superficial spirituality that, that says these questions aren't fair to ask, but I think it's the deep, the robust mm-hmm. spirituality that says, you know, God made it all. Uh, ABWE has been thinking about money a long time and they're not unspiritual for doing it because they're planning and they're, uh, you know, there's a, a local budget for who's here in the headquarters and then people across the world. And they're thinking about how to care for people. And so if you approach it that way, how to care for your family, how to care for uh, the, your donors and, and, and whatnot, then I think you're 
you're thinking about it uh, the way you should be. I like that. And Scott, as I as I pitch the question over to you as well, can missions ever be a career move? Go. Yeah, I, I think choosing missions as a great career move to somehow advance yourself is a really bad idea. But that being said, you know, in many ways, um, you know, I, I feel like especially with ABWE and other like well-established mission agencies, or even if it's not well-established, but is thoughtful about this area, they, they do think through what does it take for a missionary to have enough to live well on the field and not be um, struggling. And so it, it can be easy for a young missionary, a new missionary to be like, I want to shortcut this process and get to the field as fast as possible. But um I would say thinking about that money issue is an important thing and you need to ask those good questions. You know, like it can be a, a sticker shock if you're, if we have doctors that join and they're part of a good practice and they join and they see what a missionary makes and it can be, you know, some, some pretty shocking situ situation for them, but take the time to ask people on the field and ask the office, you know, how does this work? Um, how do people actually live on this much money? And you find that the way that it's structured is designed to, to be able to give you the resources you need to do effective ministry and to be able to live effectively. And it's not as bad as it might seem. On the other side for pastors, uh, I think it's important that that you understand your role in, in discipling um, the church through this process. Um, you're helping them to understand uh, this idea that, that um, how they care for their pastor is a reflection of how they value the gospel and to not um, put a pastor in a situation where they're um, struggling to make ends meet and always thinking about, you know, how they're going to pay for the next diapers for their child, um, but to give them enough that they are not constantly being stressed out about their financial situation. And so even in that interview process, asking those good, hard questions about finances is good for you and your family. It pre prevents a lot of issues on the back end, but it also is an act of discipleship even before you're their pastor to help them think biblically about how a church should be valuing the gospel and the role of gospel proclamation and shepherding leadership, pastoral leadership um, in that church setting. So I, I would not hesitate to take on those financial questions, even though a lot of our training and background has is is trained us to not think about finances very well. Uh, yeah, Scott, good, good thoughts there. One thing just to add to that too, would be to think that as you're, um, as you're asking those questions, what you're not necessarily trying to do about finances and is there a cell phone plan? Is there health insurance? Is there disability? Is there insurance? What's the retirement plan? You're not simply trying to get more of those things, although maybe you are, uh, if, if they're, they're not any of them, but but you, you, you need to be arriving at clarity about those things for you and the church because one of the or, or missions agency, because one few things will hurt um, a relationship and, and, and breed bitterness um, other than lack of clarity about compensation. You get six months in and you realize, oh, but I do get three weeks of vacation, but that starts after the first year. And you're like, I didn't know that. Like all of a sudden, so, so it's not simply trying to get more of them, but you need to ask the questions so that everybody's eyes wide open what you're both getting into. I'd say if you're coming from into ministry from outside the ministry world, you have to recognize too that it is just a different world altogether. I mean, as as Benjamin has done a great job of showing us already, but even when it comes to like time off and rest, um, because it is a a spiritual endeavor and a very and also mental and emotional ministry. And because we are involved with either that's either in missions or in pastoral work, you're always on. Um 
I think vacation time and time away uh, becomes even more precious and valuable. And, and it's, it's okay to make sure that there's enough of that for you to, even if you don't use it all, you find I have not needed all of that, uh, making sure you have that margin uh, so that you're functioning in a, in a way for your family and for your, for your ministry that is, that is optimal, I think. I think that's important because there's two wrong ways that we could conceive of missions and or ministry in general. One being that uh, it is a quote unquote career move, uh, which is not the biblical way to view it. Uh, It's about service and sacrifice. But at the same time, um, there's also a, you know, just like you have the, the prosperity gospel, but you also have like a poverty gospel. There's also another way of being overly sacrificial about it and saying that the whole point uh, of being a missionary is to be abased. And that's just not a biblical or a mature way to view it. And so I love the balance and nuance that you guys are bringing to that. Uh, but as we get into all of these weeds and as we're thinking about some of this practical wisdom and tactical wisdom, it's good to just come up for air and realize that you know, who you are and your identity does not hinge on where you're serving uh, or what you're making or what field you're in um, or how well you're doing in any one candidacy process or where you're at in the life of your church. Um, So Benjamin, what I love about the book is that it gives the tactical wisdom, but it also reorients us to the gospel. Yeah, thanks, Alex. That was one of my hopes is that it's not simply trying to find your best life now, um, in, in ministry. Um, but, but seeing really your best life now as understood in the gospel. Um, and, and, and so I think of a verse like Galatians two twenty, where you, you have the apostle Paul saying, so I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God, who this is the part I want to focus on, loved me and gave himself for me. Now I, I there's a number of ways he could have finished that. And, and, and you know, it, it almost, it feels if, if, if it wasn't in scripture and Paul wasn't inspired to write it, that, that there would almost feel an arrogance to say the son of God who loved me, like loved his people, loved, loved his own glory. All those mm-hmm. things are true, but, but he internalizes it, at least here in this moment, there's other places where it's broader, but, but for Paul through the ups and downs of life, through the transitions that, excuse me, through the, the, the beatings and whatnot, like what was most central to him, the most defining feature of his life, his chief identity, if you will, was that God loved him. And that is so necessary to to have a vibrant sense of the love of God for you in the person and work of Jesus Christ, uh, because everything else shifts, everything else moves, everything else in a sense will in the end be unsatisfying. And so, yeah, it's so important. And the way that, that trickles down to a number of things of, of how you respond to the slowness of the uh, search committee or the uh, missions or agency, how you respond to rejections. What do I do when I want to work for ABW and I feel called to it? My wife feels called to it. There's people in, let's say, Ireland who need us, quote unquote, and, and ABW says no or not now. And I, I think it's, it's, it's a gospel centeredness. It's, it's a, it's a, knowing that God loves me, that will keep you um, afloat in all those uh, storms. Mm. Well, Benjamin, this book has been an awesome resource uh, for me personally, thinking and praying about some of these issues. And I really think that our audience will benefit from it too. And you have a a spiritual gift of generosity because it it sounds like you're willing to help get this out to as many people as possible. How can they get their hands on it? Yeah, yeah. So I uh, have 
dozens of copies of the audiobook I'm able to give away. I got a little code for each copy, then and a link. You can go get that um, through Audible. So um, I, eventually that gets exhausted, but I don't know that we'll reach it. So please just have people reach out to me however they want to do it. Any of the social media channels, Twitter, uh, you can find my a website or whatever. And yeah, we'll send include me. a link in the show notes. Okay. That'd be great. So smoke signals, whatever. <laughs> uh, the hard to Messenger send. pigeons. Um, yeah. So just anyway, I would love to, to make it available. Just help pastors or missionary people or parachurch organizations. That's really my heart. I, I wrote it not to uh, get rich. It's nice when it makes a dollar or two here and there, but, uh, but really it just all gets invested back into the, <laughs> the writing machine of other editors for other projects. So um, I just love to give it away. And if I can help someone, have them reach out. Well, and it is a service to the local church, too, because the whole body of Christ benefits when there's the right people that are leading in ministry and serving in ministry and missionaries benefit as well, because those are the rope holders and those are the people that are sending. Amen. And so we're so excited and encouraged by your ministry and thankful for this book. And it's been awesome having you again on the show. <laughs> and um, maybe uh, maybe we will uh, do something and have you be the co-host of something over here. Right. Because, uh, Scott, we've been having some Internet connectivity issues and, yeah. you know, maybe it's <laughs> I don't like where this is going. <laughs> I don't know what to if you if you kick me out, I'm a survival podcast, and then we'll see. I'll get three or four new subscribers, and uh, we'll call it like the Foreign Missions Podcast. I mean, I, I, well, and then and then since I'm not a missionary, we'll just do one that's about regular stuff, and we'll just call it the podcast. <laughs> now, I would listen to that. That would be awesome. Um, so it's not a church split; it's a pod class split. Has there been some of this? Well, it's actually it's Baptist church planting. Plant. What we call that is not a split; it's Baptist church planting. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, thank you for listening this week to the Missions Podcast. You guys could do like a physical fitness podcast with Paul Maxwell. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> If you want to get more great content on theology, missions, and practice, go to missionspodcast.com. And while you're there, subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite listening platform. And please give us an honest review and a five-star rating. And don't forget to be sending your questions to alex at missionspodcast.com. Until next time, thank you for joining us.